Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. And Reverend Sharpton, thank you for for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I know we only have a few minutes. What's going to be the strategy? How do how are you going to approach Joe Manchin on this issue as it relates to the Four Peoples Act? Well, I think that what we are planning to do is say that if it is in fact your desire to move bipartisan, then you need to convince Republicans of that. We're willing to work with Republicans and pass this act, but they're not. So why don't you set up a meeting with those Republicans that's willing to talk, and we will talk with them on why this act must. You cannot memorialize John Lewis. You cannot memorialize and and raise up those that fought to get us the right to vote and just turn around and say, well, I can't vote uh, to restore and to uh, uh, the power of voting rights unless it's bipartisan, unless you're willing to then say, okay, listen, let's meet and deal with it, be bipartisan with this. We're really going to make a challenge to them. Let us see how bipartisan you or are y'all that first point? The other thing is that to bring up in the meeting the George Justice and Police Act. Mm-hmm. Me said, "Poor Joe, he is our bed." Uh, the meeting was uh, asked for and arranged by Mark Morial of the National Urban League, and we wanted to talk to him. Period about uh, the George Floyd Act, about uh, Senate Bill One, about HR. Uh, 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 for with uh, the, the John Lewis bill. He came out this weekend on the op-ed. Uh, so the meeting is not just about his op-ed. I want to talk about George Floyd. I want to talk about uh, the issue in terms of uh, voting and see where he is, uh, because clearly he's in a position that can handle one way or another uh, whether there are 50 votes. But he cannot do it without saying, fine, you can't call for bipartisanship if you don't have one Republican, because then what looks like you reaching out is really you obstructing everything if you're calling for a hand that you know is not there. Now, the other question I have, and your audience has been talking about this, if you can't get this bipartisan cooperation— should the Democrats, in your opinion and others, go it alone? In my opinion, yes. And I think that uh, that's where this is ultimately uh, up to him to go. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, I need bipartisanship. Well, we can't get one Republican. Therefore, blacks uh, should not have their voting rights protected. And we should not have legislation on policing. So if you seek bipartisan, we're willing to deal with the other party. They're not willing to deal. Did you leave no option to go with us and say, well, there's got to be majority vote. Let's go around and deal with this filibuster situation. Even, Joe, if they say what they did on budget items, well, let's go with killing the uh, the uh, impact of the filibuster on these two or three bills. They went around it on uh, other legislation. They can do it on this. Now, I'm a little older than you, even though you don't want to admit that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, 
you know, I proposed this morning that if you're going to reform the filibuster, and I'm not saying it should be reformed, um, then go back to the old days of, of Strong Thurman or the Jimmy, you remember the Jimmy Stewart the movie, yep. Uh, yep. Mr. Smith, and, you know, and then stand your butt up on the, on and, and filibuster, go back the old way. Uh, That's right. Okay, with that, I was going to ask you, would that be acceptable instead of the way they're doing this modernized version of filibustering? No, I think that would be acceptable. I think that we've got to get around this where uh, people are being uh, put in the position that we can't move forward. And one of the things I want to make clear to, uh, to Senator Manchin and when, uh, you know, when I was in Tulsa last week and talked to President Biden a few minutes alone is that. This is not just legislation to us. This is life. This Our is lives. Life. In the last 10 months, I have stood and preached over three different men in their caskets dead from police shootings. From I, I did George Floyd's courier funerals. I did uh, Dante Wright in uh, 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 Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. And I did uh, the uh, the uh, Brown funeral uh, in uh, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I mean, when I'm looking at people dead in their caskets, and know that could have been me or could have been my nephew or my brother. I mean, this, y'all are playing like this is some hockey game with legislation. We're talking about people's lives is why we need the George Floyd bill. We're talking about people's right to vote. There are people died for Jimmy Lee Jackson, Medgar Evers. So uh, and let's talk about the gravity of what we're talking about here. All right. I should remind people, Al Sharpton here on Sirius XM Urban View, um, the weekdays, 6 to 8 p.m., and also the, uh, also the, uh, the, the book, How's It Doing? Doing well. Rise up. We're getting ready to come out with the paperback. I'll come back on and talk about that when we get ready to release it late summer. All right, then I'll get. Well, I'm trying to, man. I got a, I've got a newfound respect. I don't know what your journey was like in writing the book, but uh, it, it is not easy trying to put uh, these uh, th- these books that are so important together, particularly like yours about activism and and um, so. Uh, no, it's not I, easy. It's a tedious job. Oh, but, uh, I'm getting ready to go on morning, Joe. But I I I know that my real morning, Joe. Is Joe Madison. I know where I come from, and I know where I got to land. And I love you, too. Respect you. Six to eight, everybody, weekdays with Al Sharpton. And we'll get back and uh, uh, talk. About, uh, let's, let's talk about after the, after the meeting and see what came yeah, out of the that. meeting. All right. All right. Thanks, Al. All right. Let me, let me uh, say, as uh, Brian uh, uh, Stelter comes on, I am and I say this sincerely, a big fan. I, Sunday mornings, I don't care what I'm doing. Uh, if I'm at home, I'm watching reliable sources. And if I have to get in the car and, and uh, on the way to a brunch or something, uh, my Sirius XM, I'm, I'm on channel CNN listening, Brian. And I just want to say that up, up front. And I appreciate you coming on the uh, Madison show. Now, hoax came out. Thank you. Uh, uh, it came out a few months ago in hardback. This is your paper. Today, you're releasing the paperback. Did I understand you to say 
that <clears throat> you added some new chapters to the paperback book? I, I did. I went a little overboard. I wrote another 20,000 words uh, because so much has happened in the last six months. Uh, and, and I'm grateful for your viewership on Sundays. I, I'm a fan of, of yours as well. Uh, when I'm in the car, I'm listening to you. I believe that so much has changed in the last six months uh, with the election and then the insurrection and now this right-wing resistance to, to, to President Biden, that, uh, that my story had changed. So there are new hoaxes being promoted by right-wing media, new lies and smears. So I basically rewrote this whole book. What? You did. I'm in the process of trying to wrap up a three-year journey of my memoirs. And I got to mm. tell you, I don't, I, I newfound respect for editors. They piss God, me that's off. Right. But, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> everybody in the, everybody in, the, in the world needs a good editor. I feel like, you know, whether it's my wife editing my personal life or whether it's my book editor, everybody needs an editor. But what I, what I tried to do is, is restart this book by yeah. opening on January 6th, opening with the riot, because it was a riot of lies. And it wouldn't have happened without Fox News. So I think that's really what the story is all about now. The, the yesterday, the 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 president on CNN um, with Anderson Cooper made the comment about finding the news media finding common stories, and it took me a right. while, Brian, to try to figure out what is he talking about common stories. And I said in the last hour to my audience. Man, if January 6th insurrection wasn't a, a story that should have brought us all together, I don't know what would. In the same way that 9-11 and other acts of terror have brought the country together in the past, uh, this act of terror did not. And that, I think, is because, in large part, of the way the media has been divided in the last 20 years. Uh, it's not entirely because of Fox. Right-wing radio has something to do with it. Newsmax and One America News and websites and something to do with it. But Fox is the beating heart of the GOP. So when Fox minimizes and downplays the riot and ignores all the new developments and ignores all the violence that, was, uh, that occurred, all the injuries to police, it, it makes it impossible for us to have a common story. I, I thought what, what President Obama said to Anderson was really important about the nationalization of everything. He wasn't talking about a private industry being taken over by the government. He was, he was saying our media has been nationalized. Our politics has been nationalized so that we don't have any local connections anymore. And I think that's a big part of the problem. I think he's identifying that correctly. Well, give, give, give me an example or give my audience an example of what you're talking about, uh, and especially as it relates to uh, you know, local news stories. I know you write a, a good deal and talk a good deal about local newspapers. And yeah, and uh, I think uh, I, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is an example of a local story who's been nationalized. And of course, she wants all the attention. She wants national attention. She wants to be a national star. She wants to be on your TV yelling every day. But normally, in the past, she would have been treated as a obscure local. Wacko. Fringe congresswoman. Yeah. Yeah. I'll use the word wacko. She'd have been a wacko. And, and wackos <laughs> wouldn't normally get news attention. But now in this nationalized environment, they do. And, and that's partly because the, the activist base, as you know, the GOP activist base, wants the crazy. 
and outlets like Fox News are not doing enough to police and manage the crazy. I, I think it has to do with a lack of leadership. Uh, what I found at Fox was a severe lack of leadership. Nobody's in charge. Rupert Murdoch's not willing to rein anybody in. And so as a result, the crazy wins. Now, do you, and Brian, in the book, and let me ask Hoax, do, is, is, does CNN have some responsibility, and are they meeting this responsibility? Uh, we're definitely not perfect, and I, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a lot we can, we can still improve on. But at least CNN and the broadcast network news divisions are reality-based and are trying to get it right with big newsrooms that are trying their best. One of the big differences at Fox is that the newsroom has really been hollowed out. There are some journalists who work at Fox, but they feel squeezed and suffocated. They don't feel welcome or wanted anymore. There's not a news gathering operation. So, for example, when the pandemic began in China, Fox had no reporters in China. Now, I'm proud to say CNN's teams in China uh, helped tell the world about the crisis in Wuhan. I think that's the big difference between Fox mm-hmm. and all the other major networks, <clears throat> even though we're not perfect. I think that's one of the big differences. You know, the and matter of fact, speaking of CNN, the young man that was stationed in uh, Wuhan in China, he was a, a local reporter here in Washington, D.C. at um, yeah, that's in, right, yeah. In, yeah. yeah, at NBC4, yeah, and uh, ended up, uh, and we were very honored and proud to see him over there. Um, and, and now, in terms of, of of local, uh, let's talk. Oh, Sinclair, because you write about Sinclair too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people may not, you know, know what what Sinclair is. I remember years ago being approached by Sinclair, uh, and mm. and uh, and 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 it, and it took me a while to realize that they are pretty much a right wing conservative uh, operation, are they not? Uh, they are. I grew up in Maryland, right down the road from Sinclair's headquarters near Baltimore. Sinclair operates r- really under the radar. So, uh, y- you know, you're watching a local TV station, and you may not even realize it's owned by Sinclair. But they are really part of the nationalization problem that Obama was talking about on CNN. When they, when they air so many national news stories in the middle of what should be a local newscast, and they tilt those national stories to the right, you end up having a conservative influence on the news that warps people's understanding of their communities. And I, you know, I think that's the, the same issue as Fox it applies to Sinclair in that way as well. You know, because we saw it happen here. Sinclair took over the, uh, the local uh, ABC station. Um, and, WJLA, and they, that's right. I love WJLA. Yeah, and they are an entirely different operation. They give the appearance of being local, uh, because the weather, the traffic, and and that type of thing. But there is that, like you said, there is that tilt. Now, here's one other issue. And again, the book, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if I should say this is just a, an, a paperback edition, because as Brian <laughs> said to us, he just wrote another book. I mean, that's nothing. <laughs> Basically. Basically, he wrote another book. So if you have the hard copy of Hoax, you got to get the paperback. Uh, please, folks, this is why we have people on so that, you know, not just to sit here and listen to them, buy the book and we'll get it up on our social our social media. Um, and, 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 and I've I, I've challenged the the some of the 
especially network anchors, why don't they do editorials? I think they have the power to do it. I, you know, I think about um, you know, people like Lester Holt and others. When, when you see th- things that are destroying our democracy, uh, it, it, and, and then you, you get, for example, um, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene and, and, and this comparison of wearing masks to, I mean, to the Star of David, you know, to the, you know, sh- why don't they do what Walter Cronkite and them used to do and David Brinkley? I see I'm showing my age. The, you know, they, I like it. They would do an editorial. And and I know sometimes they have to get they had to get permission, but shouldn't more of that be done? Uh, I believe we should call things out when it's about democracy and when it's about decency. If if a news anchor sees indecency, and uh, Trump calling the press the enemy of the people is a great example of indecency, we should call that out. And and when there are attacks on democracy, journalists should defend democracy because. It's the only way we can have a free press is with this democratic system. Uh, but why don't we hear more of that on TV? I, I believe it's because, uh, it, it, let's, say, let's say you're David Muir, the anchor of ABC's World News Tonight. You, you probably feel like there's so much opinion already out there. You don't want to be part of that. You just want to stick to the facts. Uh, but these trusted figures should raise their voices yes. in, in, in a moment of crisis, I, I believe. Um, and also, this is why Fox has such a warping effect. Fox claims the rest of the media is irredeemably biased. All you hear on Fox all day is how bad, evil the media is. And so as a result, we have this environment, these two Americas, where in one America, the only thing that's trusted is Fox, and in the other America, they trust you and me. And, and that is a, a massive hill to climb. I don't know if it's surmountable or not. Now, the other issue is, and people don't remember, newsrooms were not Profit centers. The newsrooms of networks were not intended to make a profit. Is this part of the problem? So that if a anchor, a lecture host, or whoever says does an editorial, the fear by the by the parent company we might lose sponsors. Is that a factor in your thinking? I think broadly speaking, advertising is important. And people should be aware of that when they're watching the news. But I don't think it factors into specific editorial decisions. Uh, I know, for example, at CNN, I don't actually see the commercials that are on my show. I know the viewers do, but I don't actually know who's advertising. So in that way, I'm actually walled off from it, and I can't be influenced. Uh, is, it, is it a broad factor? Yes. And does Lester Hold and David Muir, do they want to draw as many viewers as humanly possible? Yes. And does that make them more careful in their presentation? Yes, but I don't think they are worrying about advertisers in a very specific way. I think it's a broad, a broad thing. Yeah, now that's interesting. Uh, on my, on my, see, I, and I always tell people I am not a journalist. I have too much. I, I really am not. I, have, I my job is to they give me the freedom to raise hell. Uh, they and to, <laughs> and to and to you know motivate people to to act. Um, and, 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 but, but at the same time, you know, it's interesting. I'm, people don't know this, but I'm walled off. I don't know who our sponsors are. I, I'm required to do one live read, 
But for the most part, I don't know who the sponsors are. And the one thing about satellite radio is interesting. When we first started, that we didn't have sponsors. I mean, this is you know our our ads are just sort of like icing icing on the on the uh, cake. And final yeah, question, right? right. Yeah. yeah, final, well, final. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say final question because that always depends on the last answer. But <laughs> the uh, um, Brian, the the uh, the this 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 podcasting. How has podcasting changed the way consumers receive news? You, I think you have a podcast. They claim I'm podcast. We have a podcast. Everybody, that's right. Everybody, the president has a podcast. Uh, how has that impacted news and and listeners? Well, the dirty little secret is that most podcasts only have a small audience, but there are a good number of them that are reaching millions of people with every episode. And I think the reason why podcasting matters and and why it's uh, why it's here to stay is that it allows for the kind of long form conversations that you have here on the radio. It allows for people to listen to those long, in depth, really intense conversations that usually never happen on television and are never able to happen on social media, right? If your Facebook feed full of nasty comments or your Twitter feed full of nonsense is one version of, of media, podcasts are the opposite. They're in-depth. They're long-form. They're thoughtful, at least hopefully some of the time. And I think that's yeah. real valuable. That's a real value add. People need what I call slow news. We need to slow the news down and provide analysis from folks like you because otherwise everything is too confusing. It's, this world is so chaotic, and I, I think most people just want to know what is true, what is not true, that they want us to sort of fact from fiction, whether it's on a podcast or the radio or TV. Yeah, now, and my difference is I have to take calls, and then I have to, <laughs> fi- well, I mean, and, and God bless them, I mean, but I, I, I've got to have that, I call it, um, somebody once told me that you have a third, uh, read with a, I had an old a politician tell me, you got to learn to read with a third eye and listen with a third ear. And when I have callers, they can't control the show because that third eye and third ear, I have to differentiate what's true and what's not true. And that it, that that is not easy. Um, but podcasters aren't don't take calls. Uh, the 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 book, the. <laughs> the new book, I'm just going to call it what it is. The, it is. The, the, the new book, Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and Dangerous Distortions of Truth. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on. And I hope we can get you back um, uh, on. I think we, we have to have these conversations to uh, educate our listeners. I always quote Dr. King, and it's not, I have a dream. He, 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 in a sermon, he said, the two most dangerous things on the planet, mm. sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. <laughs> and and I got to tell you, I think your book reminds me and reminds us, please, people, read it. Fox News is a classic example of what Dr. King said when he said conscientious stupidity. That's what they're doing over there. And they're playing on people, unfortunately, who are sincerely uninformed. Um, 
just thank you so much for putting this together. I'm glad that the book is successful, and, and I appreciate you coming on the Madison Show. Well, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Okay, and we'll get up get this up on our uh, we'll get this up on our uh, on our social media, right? Good. All right. Anything else, guys? We we'll get back to the phones. The book now it's hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the dangerous distortion of truth. Yeah, you gonna say something? Yeah, that was uh, he said something in talking about leadership and in terms of Trump when you were talking about nine eleven versus January sixth, mm-hmm. and it hit me and it has before, but at that moment, that the big difference in leadership when nine eleven happened and George Bush was the president, right. George uh, W. Bush right. was president. His leadership during that time. Oh yeah. galvanized the country, brought the country together, talked about the things that we had in common, and we had a common enemy, if you would. He directed away from uh, scapegoating and did the things that were necessary for this country to fight an enemy. Pivot to 2021, January 6th, and the leadership of the impeached 45th president and his lack of of leadership, how he led this country astray. Let me tell you what the difference is. Yes. Let me tell you, yes. and as you're talking, and my mind is just twirling. Going, I can see it. <laughs> the difference is, it was a foreign enemy. The difference is, it was foreigners. What, what January 6th, was us homegrown homegrown yes and 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 that was the that was the difference the basis the base of those insurrectionists were our relatives mm-hmm. now when i say our children saw their parents spouses saw their their husbands and wives, neighbors saw their neighbors, military people. You, it was us, and how this this it's easy for this country to respond when it's a foreigner. We didn't want to get into World War Two. I've been, right. you know, but but once the, you know, once the Japanese attacked us, that's a foreigner. The, 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 um, but when it, but what do you say? How do you react when it's your father? How do you react when it's your relative? How do you react when it's your policeman? How do you react when it's your elected official? How do you react when it's your neighbor? And I I mean, let's just be honest. It's easy, particularly for black folk to sit back. And and watch it. We'll watch. I'm gonna be straight up. Let me be honest with y'all. I'm, you know, as I tell folks, I'm daring. We most black folk in Urban View. We're sitting there looking at it. And let's let me be honest. Let me just be straight up honest with the audience. I guarantee you that probably 99, like Ivory Soap, 99, 100 percent of black folks said, "Oh, are those crazy ass white people?" Yes. 
I guarantee you, because I know what our reaction was. Ari, and, and very few, there were some networks that said, if that had been black folk, oh, it, I mean, that's blood, what they said. Oh. blood would, we, and we, that was the commonality in our discussion. But we have been here before, and what you're what, describing. Uh, where? When? The Confederacy. That Sherry. Was it brother against stop. brother, Sherry, sister against. Sherry, I'm stop, I'm stop. It, See, you are stretching it. Hell, most folk don't. I mean, that that's 100, 200 years ago. This is, no, no. Yes, if you know your history and the, yeah, we know brother against brother, cousin against cousin, and all that kind of stuff. That's a hundred, that, you know, look, look, I had a plumber once walk into my, uh, uh, into our condo, saw a picture of Rosa Parks, and asked me if that was Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. You know, give me a fucking mm-hmm. break. You know, and, and so you're dealing with people. This is why King said the two most dangerous things on the planet, sincere ignorance. You look at a picture of Rosa Parks and you think it's Harriet Tubman? Yeah, I'm talking about the hesitancy to condemn those Be- Because who they don't know their history. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you got most of the, wait a minute. If it was, a con- if we've seen the Confederacy, you had as many Confederate flags flying as you did Trump flags. Exactly, and I hope we are not in a position be, be, where we will be this far removed. We from are and still you, living this with uh, this hope. Hope people in keep hell hope, hope they have ice water. Keep hope you know, but the reality is, the the the, the reality is, this is modern. We, how do you react mm-hmm. to you to the. the to something you you to react to the people you know how do you react to that and that's why i say if you what am i if you we 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 you when when it's how I, the reason i'm hesitating i keep thinking about the children who turned in their parents yes, yes. you know um you elect you elect a uh, you see your fellow police officer. I'm telling you, th- what brought us together in 9-11 was foreigners. Mm-hmm. That's what brought us together. Yes. yes. They, that they, made them, we th- could make th- them a common enemy. Th- they were a common enemy. Yes. They were common to all of us. How do you say your father is an enemy? Mm-hmm. How do you say your, your, your police officer, how do you say your lieutenant, how do you say that? How and do you say? They come out and say we thought you were with us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes. And and I think it just I think quite honestly, let, let's just it, it caught white folks by it caught white America by surprise. I gee, are white people that crazy? Mm-hmm. And black folk are saying, I know it's hard for people to understand this outside our community. We've been saying. Yeah, y'all are that crazy. We told you. We told y'all y'all were, y'all were crazy to elect Donald Trump. And all of that kumbaya that we saw after George Floyd leading up black and white, many groups, more whites than blacks, they, they, walking together. And now so many of them are drawn back into silence. They, look, that kumbaya were our children. That kumbaya were, and it's like what, it, it's like what the Obama said when he was asked about uh, his his daughters participated in Black Lives Matter. Most people didn't know his daughters participated in the Black Lives Matter. One is at the University of Michigan. 
19 years old, the others at Harvard, 22, and they participated in the Black Lives Matter. And what he said is, these are children who are looking at us and saying, no, no, we're not going to sit here and put up with this shooting people. This is a matter of humanity, common humanity. And that's what our children are saying. They're not buying this, uh, this, this crap. This is a matter. This shouldn't happen to anybody. This happens to folks I went to school with because of school desegregation. This is what happens to people I live next door because of fair housing. This is happening to people I work with because of the civil rights bill. So all y'all sitting back here, living back in the 1950s and the 60s. We shall overcome. Thank. We have overcome. Yes. We've overcome the biasness. We've overcome the prejudice. We, you, you raised children who have overcome. And what these young people are telling us, including the Obama girls, we ain't going back. Right. That's what they're telling us. I'm Madison, 25 after the hour. The book, ladies and gentlemen, again, um, the hoax, um, it, it's up on our, uh, on our social media. Um, and it, it's, 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 it, it's, it's, when I say it's easy read, you don't have to be a journalism student or a news executive to understand it. He's written it for us, the consumer. Get the book. Please get the, the paperback. Get the paperback. Please get the paperback because it's like a whole new book. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.